We're continuing in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Please open your Bible to 1 Timothy 6. Remember, this is the end of a letter that Paul has written to the pastor he's left in Ephesus, a thriving and large city. Paul is encouraging his friend to hold on tightly to his integrity, his doctrine, that he's under assault. There's false teachers and false doctrine that are destroying the church. And he wants Timothy to hold tightly to fight for the truth. And all pastors today, of course, are under the same charge, but not just pastors, all of us. All of us are responsible to guard sound doctrine, to flee from sin, to run to our Savior. And this will be a fight, he says. But it's a good fight. My suspicion is that when you think of the Christian life as being a fight, you're not encouraged. We don't like fights. We don't like being wounded. We don't, we don't enjoy conflict, especially spiritual warfare. It's dangerous. Eternal consequences are at stake. Perhaps many of you this morning are already feeling wounded. You're feeling like you're failing in the fight. This morning, I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word? I'm going to read 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 and 12. This is God's holy inspired word. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Amen. Please be seated. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth, that you would be glorified, and that you would encourage our own hearts that your word would penetrate deep into our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the end of the letter, as I said, and Paul is obviously trying to steal the faith of Timothy. He wants to, to, to gird up his loins for the battle. He wants him to be a man who will not quit in this fight. By means of review, last time we talked about the good fight, that the Christian life itself was a fight. So I'm just going to review quickly what we talked about last time. Fight the good fight of the faith. Many Christians probably have never even thought of their lives as a fight. Yet Christianity is a spiritual war. And there can be no doubt it has eternal consequences. That's why he says at the end of this particular passage, take hold of the eternal life. To which you have been called. This is not a fight that you want to lose, but there will be a fight. J.C. Ryle writes, Where there is grace, there will be conflict. The believer is a soldier. There is no holiness without warfare. Saved souls will always be found to have fought a fight. So what is the Christian fighting? Are we fighting people? Are we fighting governments? No, none of that. We fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
the world and worldliness, we reject it. Our own flesh, the sin, the indwelling sin of our flesh, we fight it. The devil and the forces of evil, we pray, we fight. In 2 Timothy as well, Paul tells Timothy these same kinds of themes that you're a soldier. He says in chapter 2, verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So by means of review, what is the fight against the lusts of your flesh? Verse 11, we see that. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What is he fleeing? He's fleeing the lust of his flesh. He's fleeing all the things that would cause dissension in the body as a pastor. Except for sound doctrine and his holy, godly living. But he's supposed to flee from sin. Paul writes in Romans 7, that I see in my members another law waging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul is talking about the Christian life and this, this fight, this ongoing fight with indwelling sin. It's one that must be fought. So the question is, do you even feel like there is a fight in your life? If not, you're just not sensitive to it or you don't know because you're not in Christ. Because all those who are in Christ will be very sensitive about the sin in their lives. They want to please their Father. Secondly, the Christian fight is a fight against the world. We talked last time about how the world offers riches and pleasure and all kinds of allurements, fame and status. Well, we saw that you cannot pursue these things and also pursue Christ. They're diametrically opposed. James 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. To the degree that you are in friendship with the world, you are at enmity with God. And conversely, to the degree that you are abiding in the vine that you are in Christ, to that same degree you're going to reject the world. In fact, there will be a time, I believe, when it will become disgusting to you. We live in the world, we use the things of this world for God's purposes, but the world and the culture of the world and all of its allurements, we reject them. And finally, last time we talked about how the Christian life is a fight against the devil. The fight against the world and the flesh, of course, we see those clearly, more clearly anyway, but the fight against Satan is more hidden from us, and yet it's still just as much a reality. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood, Throughout the world. So you feel the effects of Satan's attacks. You feel the suffering. And yet you resist giving up. You resist giving in. And how do you resist? Well, you put yourself on your knees. You trust in the promises of God. So we begin now to continue this message. We've seen that the Christian life is a fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Today I want to show you that this fight as tired as you may feel, as defeated as you may feel today, 
This fight is a good fight. Think of those words. It's a good fight. Strange. And thirdly, we'll see that this fight is a fight of the faith. So how is it good? Well, first off, I'm going to give you three reasons why this is a good fight. The first one is the outcome is already decided. It's like we read in the Old Testament passage. He told the people of Israel, go out to the battle, but it's already going to be won. Oh, by the way, the enemy are going here, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do this, and all you have to do is stand and watch. That's not a fair fight. That's the kind of fight we live as well. It's not a fair fight. The battle is already won. It began right after, or in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, God says that he will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to Satan, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God is saying that he will separate his people from the people of Satan and that he will protect his own people. Eventually someone would come to bruise or crush the head of Satan. There will always be conflict between the seed of the woman, God's people, and the seed of the serpent. There will always, until the end of time, be this conflict. It will be a fight. And yet we know that Satan is defeated. That's the whole point of the book of Revelation. God wins. We know the end. Satan loses. But that's at the very end. Of course, already Satan is seen to be defeated. You remember when Jesus sent out the 70 in pairs, and they came back and they said, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like a flash of lightning from the sky. What is he seeing? Well, he's basically saying that Satan is already being defeated because of Christ. And if you remember Genesis 3.15, the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and the serpent's head is going to be bruised. Paul references this at the very end of the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 20 where he says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So already the church sees that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the work of God in the church and through the church. But it's not just a church thing. It's not just that we have victory as a church, as a universal church on this planet. God also ensures victory for his elect family, for his people, for you. Each individual whom God has chosen will persevere, will succeed in the fight. There's no question. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If God has begun a work in you, he will bring it to completion. He will. John 10, 28, another wonderful promise. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. So this is the first reason why it's a good fight, and that's the battle, the overall overarching war is won. The outcome is certain, and this makes it a good fight. But secondly, we see that God's people have superior weapons and training. You guys know I'm enjoying this so much. Superior weapons and training. I know a little bit about weapons and training. What's our training? Well, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, what's His job? He comforts us. 
He reminds us of everything that Jesus said. He instructs us. He encourages us. He trains us. He dwells in us. John 14, 16 says, He will send us a helper. Jesus said, I will send you a helper to be with you forever. He will dwell in you and be in you. The seed of the serpent has nothing like this. We have the holy God with us, in us. We should be encouraged. This is a good fight. But also we have the precious promises of God, the word of God. 1 Peter 1, he talks about the battle, the spiritual battle. Listen to what he says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. We have precious and very great promises found in God's word that really are used as a weapon to bolster our souls to defeat the attacks of the enemy. But finally, we see that our weapons are the most effective weapons in the history of spiritual warfare, the weapons that you have been given. So you should have great confidence that you can stride into this battle of the Christian life. It made me think of when I was a young fighter pilot, we were deploying to our first real combat situation. And, of course, we were a a bit nervous. A squadron of, we only had one person in our whole squadron who had ever been in combat before, who had ever engaged an enemy and been fired upon. The other 30 of us had never seen combat. But we had a, an amazing aircraft that was superior in every way to our enemy. In every way. We had better training. Our aircraft had better radar, better weapons, better combat radius. The pilots were better trained. And we were very confident. At that time, the F-15C, the record in combat was 100 to zero. It's the most successful aircraft in the history of aerial combat. So we walked into that battle feeling very confident. Yeah, we were nervous, but it's 100 to zero. We're pretty sure we're okay. And at the end of that conflict, it was 104 to zero. I got to see one of those with my own eyes. This was not a fair fight, and it, it was reflected in the outcome. The same is for us. This is not a fair fight. We have the weapons that are most effective against the enemy, and that's prayer. It's the word of God. And most of all, it's because we have the very best commander, and that's the third thing. We have superior weapons and training. Yeah, the outcome is certain, but we have the best commander the world has ever seen. So those of you in the congregation who have ever worked for someone else before, it's probably most of us. Have you ever had a boss who was always changing his mind? You thought you were doing the right thing, but he changed his mind the next day and always felt a little uncertain. Or you just thought he wasn't really competent. Like the Peter principle had done its work and he'd just been promoted one level above that which he was competently able to do. And you always wondered, I don't know if he's even able to do this job. 
or he's a self-promoting kind of guy. He just wants to get promoted. He just wants to, he'll step all over you to get this next raise, to get this next promotion. Or he just doesn't care. I mean, that's probably the worst. He just has no care at all for you, what you do. He doesn't appreciate anything that you're doing. There are military commanders just like this. We've all been in this situation. But our commander is not like that at all. And this is another reason why it's a good fight. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his goodness, in his wisdom. And in his love, he cares about every single person in his army. If you're in the army and you're fighting and you feel defeated, he cares about you. He's not just leading from the front and then leaving. He's coming back to pick up every wounded soldier and carry them back to himself. None are forgotten, none are left behind. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is the most important method of our warfare, and that's just to look to our commander, to look to Jesus, to pursue our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So all of these things, the outcome, the weapons and training, and the quality of our commander, all make this a good fight. So I bring this all up because this is not something that you should run from. Stay up with the pace of your commander. He's already done the work. Calvin says, if earthly soldiers do not hesitate to fight, when the result is doubtful, when there is a risk of being killed, how much more bravely ought we to do battle under the guidance and banner of Christ when we are certain of victory? Amen. We are certain of victory. But besides it being a good fight, I want you also to see that it's a fight of faith. We don't actually see Jesus with our physical eyes. He's not actually grabbing our hands and pulling us into the battle. It's a fight of faith. We have to trust Him and His Word. We have to take Christ at His Word, that all His promises are true. And the Scripture is true. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit begins to wield the Scripture as a sword in your own soul. You must have faith and trust in God and His Word. Well, you're wondering, how do I get this faith? Like, what, what do I have to do? What training do I have to accomplish to make sure I'm ready for this fight? What do I have to... You need to remember, first of all, that your faith is a gift. There's no striving involved in coming into the army at all. Once you're in the army, you're going to fight. But if you have faith, it's a gift from God. There's nothing you need to do to fight the fight of faith, except look to your commander and trust in the means that he's given you. The person and the work of Jesus Christ, faith in Christ, comes from the Holy Spirit. And this shields us against the assaults of the world, the arrows of the enemy, the weakness of our own flesh. So when you look at yourself and you think, I'm so weak. My flesh is always failing. My feeble spiritual life is so unpleasing to God. My prayers are so inconsistent. I know God doesn't find any pleasure in me at all. Or you succumb to the violence of the world's temptations again and again and again, and you just think, I know I'm the worst soldier in the world. These are lies. Your Father in heaven, your commander, is pleased with every soldier. He sings over you. He loves you. 
Yes, you may be disciplined, but it's a discipline of love. And he's never, ever feeling as disappointed the way you think he is. He loves his children. He loves his people. So this also encourages us to fight the fight of faith, not to shrink in despair when the battle seems hard. When you feel like your faith is failing, lift your eyes in faith and look to Christ. He's leading and directing your every move. He's interceding for you at his Father's side, and you cannot help but be encouraged. John caught a glimpse of our warrior commander king in chapter 19 of Revelation. Again, think of the great victory that is being displayed before our eyes. Starting in verse 11, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So we are strong in the battle, but not in our own strength. It's in the strength of our commander, our king, the one we just saw. He's our Savior, and He's just, and He's good, and He's victorious. And He cares for each soldier individually and uniquely. And He's ever ready to protect the vulnerable, to lift up those who are bowed down. If this is you this morning, He will never snuff out a smoldering wick. He loves you. Pray to Him. There is no more fruitful prayer in all of your life than, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's a prayer that will always be answered. Always. Paul says in Philippians 3, thinking of his own fight, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies lies behind and straining forward toward what lies ahead. That's our attitude. We forget what's behind and we strain forward toward what lies ahead. Of this fight, Calvin says, Nothing animates us with greater courage than to learn we have been called by God. For we conclude that our labor, which God directs, will not be fruitless. In other words, if God has called you, He will accomplish His purpose in you and through you. If you've made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses... This may be when Paul mentions this in Timothy's life. It may be referring to his ordination as a pastor. It may be referring to his confession with his mother and his grandmother who brought him up in the faith. It may just be a reference to his whole life of faith. But we learn that this confession that you have made, we're in fellowship together. When you became a member of Meadow Creek Presbyterian Church, You bind yourself to each other and to the Lord. And this is, these many witnesses are walking with you in this fight. There's no holiday from the fight, but we are in it together.
At the end of Paul's life, 2 Timothy 4, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And now a crown of glory is awaiting me. This is what we all want to say at the end of our lives. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Does that mean you've been perfect? No, of course not. But your heart has ever been pursuing, daily embracing the gospel. So I conclude with this. Verse 12, Paul says, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. This word take hold basically means don't give up. Keep grasping for this eternal life. It's not of your own doing. It's not of your own will. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. And because the call was holy, eternal, immutable, and powerful, nothing can change it because it was made by a holy God. If we're honest, there are many times I think when we feel defeated, we grow weary, we feel overwhelmed and helpless against indwelling sin, outmaneuvered by the devil. We feel tired. We feel like Elijah who just wanted to run from Jezebel into the wilderness. He knew he was going to die. He thought he was defeated. You remember what God said to Elijah when he finally got up to the mountain of the Lord? He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? I've told you what to do. Go back. When we're tired, we just need to turn to God. We need to continue waking up and living for God. Paul summarizes this in 2 Corinthians 4.17. So we do not lose heart, though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. This light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our Savior told us to count the cost. He never said this was going to be easy. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but I leave you my peace. Those are two marks of every soldier. You're going to have trouble, but he's going to give you peace. So this is a good fight. It's a fight of the faith, and we welcome it. God has equipped us. He's done everything possible to prepare this fight for victory in our own lives. Our Savior is with us. He's already paid the debt. He's already won the war. It's a fitting note to turn to the Lord's Supper.